This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by Instat Hockey, the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village, and by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Christina Rutherford, in hockey, named three people you found to be among the most interesting to interview or cover. Well, top of the list, Bada, is Yarmir Yager, for sure. I spoke to him over the course of two days, and honestly, I could have spoken to him over the course of two months. Just about his love of Kit Kat bars, his inability to find pants that fit, playing with Mario Lemieux, growing up in Cladnell, learning English, on and on. Um, just found him incredible. Uh, another name that comes to mind is Brian McGratton, former enforcer who dealt with a lot of substance abuse and drug abuse and then became director of player assistance with Calgary. So just turned things right around and is now sort of coaching players that are going through some of the things that he went through and probably preventing a lot of players from going through the things he went through. And then most recently, I had the chance to sit down with Cami Granado. And I did not know that I would like Cami as much as I did because she's been responsible for a lot of sadness from Canadians. And I myself am Canadian. Um, but she's just an incredible woman with an incredible backstory and such a trailblazer. I spoke with her while she was still a scout in Seattle and obviously has since been named the assistant general manager in Vancouver. So she's definitely on that list oh, as well. It's, it's fantastic what the Canucks have done there. Welcome to Hockey Press Pass presented by Instat Hockey, the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village, and by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Our guest is Christina Rutherford, the exceptional writer and reporter for Sportsnet, who has profiled many of the most influential and fascinating people in hockey. Christina also brings her signature style to unique pieces on curling, tennis, golf, and many other sports, and is the author of the book, Level the Playing Field, The Past, Present, and Future of Women's Pro Sports, which, by the way, so that was done in 2017. I have it. And isn't it fair to say that like so much, not necessarily great progress, but just so many things have changed in the years since you've written that book? Oh, absolutely. And I think often when we look at women's sports, we think of how slowly things seem to move. But in fact, I think if you look back and there has been tremendous progress, I mean, and even with women's hockey, I was speaking to Cami Granato about just that and what she went through in the late 90s um, and where the game is today. It just There's been a, a tremendous amount of progress, absolutely. There's a great chance we'll be coming uh, back to that subject, but I did want to start also by asking you, what do you aim to bring readers when you set out to report interview do one of your especially one of your long form features whether it be covering a team or covering a player like do you have over the time have you developed somewhat of a system or approach that you hope to bring maybe not a system but i think uh particularly when i'm sitting down with somebody that's really well known um I like to humanize them because I think in sports often we see these otherworldly talents 
somebody like Phil Kessel, uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with him for a good hour when he was playing in Toronto. And before I sat down with him, I think he was very much um, maybe nervous in front of cameras, did not give the media much. And I sat down with him and talked about everything from family vacations to his dog um, to his college days to how much he hates his hair. And I think it, it really that's what I try to do. I, I think with any athlete I sit down with is, is humanize them because a lot of these these men in particular make millions of dollars and it's hard to find maybe relatable things about them. But when you can, I think you discover that they have so much in common with the rest of us, um, you know, other than that otherworldly skill. Do you, have you, I just thought of this when you were answering that and talking about Phil Kessel, have there, is it common or have there been times where you sought out to profile somebody and then you just, you know, they maybe weren't even necessarily rude, but you just couldn't get anything worthwhile out of it that you would call an editor and say, you know, this just isn't working. We should try someone else or something else. That has happened. Yes. Not too many times. And I think the times that has happened is when I haven't had maybe the time to do enough interviews beforehand so if I haven't had the opportunity to talk to a player's parents or coaches growing up and I just don't have enough to lean on in terms of relying on past stories to maybe get them to open up a little bit and then I find for lack of a better word I find oh gosh like this this athlete's kind of boring and I don't think this is going anywhere and really it's only happened once that I can remember and we didn't make a significant investment in sending me to that place. I was already there. It was sort of like a supplementary thing that I could do that I just said, you know, not this time, not this, not this athlete. So, but I, I do, I take the blame for that because I think I could have done a little bit more research to help bring out maybe some good stories and anecdotes that would have brought that person to life rather than the very mundane sort of uh, cliche filled answers that I got. I remember the piece, but take us behind the scenes more to your interview with Phil Kessel. Like how, how did it go once you got him to open up a little bit more or feel uh, that he, he was a little more trustworthy to the process? Because I, I was around him in scrums at times years past, and he always did. I, I found it kind of endearing in a lot of ways, but he, he definitely had this, he always had this look like, what do you want from me? Not necessarily even in a rude way. I, I know there were times where maybe he was, but uh, it was always more like a, after all the years he's been in the league, he would have this look as if to say, like, I don't, why are you all standing around me? I don't get it, you know? So how did it go with Phil? Yeah, he, he always used to just look at the ground and get through those questions as fast as he could, you know? And, and often not appear for media. But I... I tried to speak to him. I forget what season it was, but it looked like the Leafs were going to make the playoffs. And then they went on this tremendous downward spiral slide and didn't make the playoffs. And so I'd been promised time with him ahead of a couple practices. And I was told, Bill's not going to talk to you today. Bill's not going to talk to you today. And the third time I showed up at the rink, I think it was ahead of a, a new season. 
And finally he was there and he'd been told that I was looking for him and I'd been looking for him for a while. And by that point, I'd spoken to, you know, his mom, his sister, his college coach, Blake Wheeler, who's one of his best friends. I knew his dog's name. I knew that he liked Skittles. And uh, we sat in sort of a, a room off of the dressing room, beside the dressing room. And I remember he was just in a, a swivelly chair and he was swiveling around. And that it, it was sort of like leaning over the fence and talking to your neighbor, to be honest. He just just seemed like any old guy was all relaxed in his chair. Um, I remember he was living with Tyler Bozak at the time and Bozak came in. He was like, man, when are you going to be done? And Phil was like, I'm taking my time and just going through telling me about his vacations in Florida, how he liked diving into the deep end and retrieving toys that little kids would throw down there for him to fetch. You know, I don't even know that they knew that he was a hockey player. Um, And I'll never forget his mom told me that you know, he started skating when he was like, I don't know, two years old or whatever. And she said, we're just getting him into all of these activities just to burn his energy. And she said, we got him into gymnastics. And he was like, gymnastics, don't put that in there. You know, he was just, I found him really likable. Um, and again, just, I, I could see why he did struggle with the media. I think he's a shy person overall. And I, I personally can't imagine standing there and having, you know, 15, 16 cameras around you, all these microphones in your face, people asking you questions. And when somebody wants to win as badly as Phil Kessel wanted to win, and as much as he knew that Toronto cared about hockey, that that got to him, you know? And I think that resulted in him maybe acting a little bit surly in some of those situations, but that's, that's cause he's a competitor. So it was, it was really neat to have that time with him and just discuss, you know, his dog and Skittles and, and the more fun parts of life maybe. And Yarmir Yager uh, seems to be somewhat the flip side. And by the way, when it comes to Phil Kessel and, and some players, it, it isn't, I know people might say, oh, he should have had media training or didn't they help him more? And I, I don't know, right? Like I'm not there. What I would say, sometimes there's cases where it doesn't matter. A, a player has a certain, or a person, I don't remember mind a player, has a certain makeup and it's that's just who they're going to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, I don't know, it feels like people expect that there's an obligation that star athletes are going to be great talkers and great in front of cameras. And that's just not always the case. You know, that's not their job. I don't even think that that's an important part of their job, to be honest. I do think every team, it, it would be great if every team had a great talker that we could all lean on for great quotes, but it's not always the case. Right. And I don't blame athletes for that. Like their job is on the field is on the ice. It's, it's wherever. Right. I don't think it's in front of cameras. Oh, it's a great point because a lot of times we actually, we do come across an athlete. I'll speak for myself and I'll say, man, not only is he a world class athlete or she's a world-class athlete saw this a lot in women's hockey but they're better speaking about it they're more articulate they're brighter they uh they they can instantly go into tv if they want to i find that kind of depressing boy not only are you better than me at at an incredible level at a sport but you're also better than me at what i try to do so so right so if we're going to be that way it'd only be natural that there would also be people who you know understandably struggle um yarmir yager i have to ask you since you brought him up in the beginning 
you know, please tell us a little bit more about that experience and why it was such an incredibly positive one. And, and those generally lead to stories you'd be very happy with too, right? Oh, absolutely. That actually started uh, back when we had Sportsnet magazine and a bunch of us were working on it and it was an oral history. So we were interviewing as many people around Yager as we could. And then I sort of thought, shouldn't we get Yager to speak on this as well? I mean, he was 43 years old. He was playing for, he was playing in Florida and he was just lighting it up, right? Um, and, you know, there were all these questions about how much longer is he going to play? How much longer can he possibly do this? And so we'd spoken to, I don't know, 15, 16 people about him. And then I, I got to sit down with him in Florida. And I remember I, I walked into the room and he sort of looked at me and the, the PR person said, you know, this is Christina. She's here from Sportsnet. She's going to interview you. And he said, you know, I have 10 minutes. And I thought, mm, this isn't going to go that great. And then I I think I started asking him about some, some stories that some of his good friends had told me. And he immediately brightened up. And he started talking about, you know, I, I grew up in Cladno. My life was going to suck unless I was an athlete or a singer. I can't sing for shit. So I had to be an athlete. And then telling me that he used to do like a thousand squats a day when he was like eight years old or something like that. Um, and I think the first day we ended up talking for almost an hour. And then the next day I was supposed to talk to him again. And I remember there was a scrum of people around him and he said he was all done. And then he, he pointed at me and said, she can stay. And then I sat down with him again um, and he told me more stories and, and at the end of it, he actually, he tweeted Sportsnet to thank us um, for, for running the story. Yeah, I think he appreciated the sort of retrospective aspect of it and how it allowed him to look back through his career and see what all of these people had said about him. Uh, and the guy's hilarious. You know, he was, he was talking about moving to Pittsburgh and he, he swore a fair bit, which made it even funnier, but he was talking about like how he didn't know any English. And so they send him to school and he's like, what am I supposed to do at this school? They don't even have a dictionary. I sit there six hours a day. They're talking to me in English. I don't know anything they're saying. He said, I think he was supposed to be there for six weeks. He quit after four weeks. And then he just started relying on radio weather reports to learn his English. So yeah, like I said, I could have I could have talked to him for days, and I I do think talking to athletes when they're older that's my favorite thing because I think the honesty comes out, and maybe just the uh, the, the ability to look back and have so much to look back on, but also the appreciation for your sport and what it's done for you over the years. I think that really shone through with him, and as it does with I think a lot of older athletes. That's great. Not not necessarily with Yager, but in general, when you're talking to athletes, and especially hockey players, you played at school. Uh, you still do recreationally or in a night league. I'd love to hear. But wait, give me a give me a Christina Rutherford scouting report of Christina the player. Uh, you know, but it's really sad. So I'm I'm four years old now, and I would say the hallmark of my game was always speed. And that's the first thing to go as you get older, you know? So I don't have the power. 
but I was, I mean, I'm still, I consider myself a student in the game still. I was in my brother's backyard. He's got a little rink and I was working on toe drags with my niece and nephew last weekend. So I'm still working on some things, but the game isn't where it used to be, but I do play, I play kind of like in a scheduled shinny every Sunday night outdoors near where we live in Toronto. Um, with a bunch of friends and it is so much fun and it's a it's a whole variety of players that have played a bunch of levels including people that just started playing and then people that are absolutely incredible Um, and yeah I like to think that I still have uh, good hockey sense I just can't move as fast as I once did do you think that having been a player at a, at a solid level and still playing, does that in, inform maybe subtly, maybe not so uh, your work, especially covering hockey? Um, I, I actually think that if I took a step back, I would think that it would help me more than I feel it has. Uh, only because I, I do find, and, and we hit on this earlier, but I do find my my favorite thing about covering sports is just finding out about the people. So it's less for me about, I don't know, drilling down on stats and set plays and more about the people behind those stats and those set plays. So maybe on some level that I don't even recognize, it's been a benefit. And I, I think I play I play Shinny with Sammy Joe Small, who um, was a team can longtime Team Canada goalie. So I do work that into some of my conversations with the Team Canada women to maybe you know maybe I'll get a little bit more respect there. I don't know, but um, I don't know that it helps. It it definitely doesn't hurt. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I beat Sammy five hole Sunday night and. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> I never do. I never do. She just had a, a hip replacement, and she's still one of the best players on the ice. Like, she's incredible. Oh, it's that's great. A, that's awesome. More Hockey Press Pass with Christina Rutherford and Chris Botta next. We want to welcome HelloFresh uh, to sponsorship of our podcast. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash PressPass16 and use code PressPass16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from, including low-calorie and carb-conscious options. My family and I, we got the fit and wholesome meals uh, the other day and they have been fantastic they save us a lot of time one of the great things about HelloFresh is you can easily customize your order online or in the app that's what we did you can change your delivery day your food preferences you can even skip a week whenever you need to it cuts back on time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less and it's 72 percent cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality so listeners please uh, give your thanks back to HelloFresh. Do this for me if you would consider. If you enjoy the podcast, go to HelloFresh.com slash PressPass16 
and use code PRESSPASS16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash PRESSPASS16 and use code PRESSPASS16. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you. From card and party games to games for families to strategy games, we have it all. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for groups to join? Our Magic, The Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Warhammer communities are welcoming for all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. What is, if it's happened, maybe it hasn't. Uh, What's the most irritated, annoyed, ticked off, disappointed, a... uh, uh, an interview subject or a profile subject has been with you where that maybe there was a follow-up or you got word saying, you know, I didn't like that. Ooh. And maybe it hasn't happened. Well, I, no, it definitely has. Uh, I know I, this isn't hockey, but I did a sport, piece yeah. on Jose Canseco. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'd say about 10 years ago when he was appealing for all-star votes and he was supposed to be, and he did end up being the cover of our issue about money, and that the interview wasn't going that well, and I wasn't sure if he was going to even let us stay around very long, because he seemed to be getting annoyed, so I just asked him, how are your finances? Because I was trying to, you know, get into the financial side of things, and he really didn't like that, but we stayed for two days, and he gave us everything and more that we needed for that story. Um, but the, the one that I really think of actually bought it involves you. Oh, no. And that that was when um, I did a piece on Harrison Brown in mm. the NWHL. Mm-hmm. And that was a story. Harrison was playing in the National Women's Hockey League and identifying as male. And it was a story I, I took a lot of care with because I wanted to get everything right. I wanted to make sure the language was right. I wanted to make sure I represented his story as best I could. And then you called me and basically told me Harrison never wants to speak to you again. And I I was shattered for a brief moment, Bada, because I thought that I had done something to offend Harrison. And it turned out he wasn't happy with how I classified his play. And to me, that was the most relief I have ever felt. But, yeah, that was another one where the athlete was none too pleased with me. Yeah, so, I mean, let's go through it. And honestly, I wasn't thinking of that one. I I probably would not have put it on my list of questions to ask you. Um, To be fair, I I, I hope I didn't. I'm sure I uh, expressed my irritation and my buddy Harrison's irritation. It was about one particular paragraph. Yes. I don't, did I really call you and say Harrison never wants to talk to you again? I think I might have jokingly said, like, you're dead to you us said, or something like that. I think I'd been texting him and you and you said, Harrison doesn't want to hear from you yeah. anymore. Yeah, no, that's, that's a little, it's a little different. It's not necessarily, Yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> okay, oversold it. But anyway, Harrison was not happy with me. Yeah, and uh, uh, 
Harrison's perspective. It was that he's very uh, proud of his playing ability, and there was a reference to uh, you know, one particular game he played, and that he hadn't played that much, and yeah. uh, that he was a grinder. You know, it was something along the lines of. Uh, and his thing was like, I'm doing this thing about my story, and well, it really, it it shows the pride in an athlete, period of any of any gender. That what stuck with Harrison was that one paragraph, right? probably one line, yeah, one paragraph. And I absolutely respect that. I do. Yeah. It, and I, to be fair, I saw a very small sample of Harrison playing hockey, and yeah. I I also think that that that's bit of an issue when it comes to some of the work that some of us do where we're expected to be you know the expert on a person when you only get a couple hours with them or you only watch a game or two you know so I, I take I take full blame for that too. I have no I have no doubt that um, should you want to do a follow-up on Harrison uh, it's just I think passed recently you know five years since he scored his goal as Harrison Brown and all that uh, or mm -hmm. you know, he's in he's in Oakville area uh, Toronto area I, I would love to I don't even have to mediate I would love to make a reintroduction and I have no doubt that Harrison uh, would be great with you I shouldn't speak for him but I'll, I'll <laughs> confirm that I feel I feel very confident in saying that um, All right. Did I believe it was just mostly for like a Q and A? I remember reading a you know a a an attempt at a jovial loosen up Q and A. If I have this right, but you interviewed one on one Gary Bettman once, twice, and how is that gone? I'm always interested in people who have interviewed top executives like commissioners. Yeah, I interviewed him. I believe it was just the one time. Um, and honestly, I, I don't have the greatest memory and I don't, I didn't even have a major takeaway from that discussion, to be honest. Like, I think it went exactly as maybe I thought it would. And I didn't feel that it went well, that I really learned anything about Gary Bettman. Um, so I don't even, yeah, I don't even know what I would point to when it came to that conversation, except that it did feel like I was speaking to an executive. Mm -hmm. And the executive would probably say they'd sign up for that every time because they didn't give you too much. They, they, they did what they had to do. Um, yeah. Um, women's hockey you mentioned Sammy Joe. You've done a lot of work, exemplary work on women's hockey, Canadian national team. Uh, all levels. Where do you think the game goes from here after this year's Olympics? Women's hockey. Where do you think? I should ask you that question. Okay. I mean... I'm happy to answer. Okay, let's hear where you think. I think that the PWHPA is going to start some new league with team names, not um, Team Sonnet or, you know, uh, I think... It'll, we're going to go back to possibly having two leagues unless there's some sort of merger before. I think we're going to have at least one season coming up where there will be two, not entities, but two. Right now there's a league uh, in you know, the, the Premier Hockey Federation, and then let's call it the entity of the PWHPA. And I believe there will be another league starting sometime by the end of calendar year 2022, and perhaps even announced in the next few months. 
And the part of that is just reading the tea leaves. And then the other thing that I'll throw out there is that I wouldn't be surprised, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I wouldn't be surprised if among the many partners who will be involved with this new league, which I think will include some NHL teams, uh, I think sport, there's a good chance that Sportsnet could be a partner of this, or a, you know, a broadcast affiliate partner of this new league as well. That's what I think. Yeah, that could all very well be true. I I do I agree with you that it it feels like women's hockey is going back to that same boat of having two leagues as it did when the CWHL was in operation. Uh, I don't think that's the end of the world though. Just because somebody no. came up with the hashtag of one league and it you know which I you know having worked for the NWHL that hashtag of one league was. Yeah, our league. Like, that's what everybody was thinking, right? Like, the CD, you know, we want this other thing to go away, right? Like, right. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't in the spirit of let's all come together. And that's, I'm not being critical. Like, I, I get all that. So I think that there will be two leagues and there might have to be these two leagues to then come together because then over time it'll be like, all right, well, let's see where the P, uh, Premier Hockey Federation. I was getting letters wrong. The former NWHL. Um, let's let's see where, what they wind up doing with their investment that they announce. Let's see what this new league is doing. And you know, maybe in some point there's a partnership where two of the teams come over from one to the other. But the to be clear, the national team players, the Olympic players, are part of the PWHPA at least as of now, at least as of mid late February. And they will be part. Most of them will be part of that of a new league that I think will will begin. We'll see what happens over time. It comes down to money. It comes down to infrastructure. My hope for any league is that not in addition to the players being paid everything that they deserve and earn, is that the league and the teams themselves have the infrastructure. Right now, they do not. They have, like I used to be, they have a lot of good people who try really hard, like, like you wouldn't believe, and I don't mean about mm-hmm. myself, but about the people who are doing this now, hours that are insane, but there aren't enough of them. There isn't, I, I see things that happen that are, um, that are low rent, that are low level, well-meaning, but all those things have to get better. So that's, that's what I think is going to happen is that there will be two leagues by the end of 20 that'll play games by the end of 2022 and you Christina yeah no I I absolutely agree with you there and I I think looking at the I was actually talking to Sammy Joe Small about this but just looking at the talent pool in both entities the PHF and the PWHPA um if there's a difference, it's it's a small step, right? Like the the players in the PHF are are right there. The players in the PWHPA that aren't on the national team are very close or have been on national teams in the past. So yeah, these are, we're again in this situation where we're probably going to have all of the best female players in the world split into two leagues. And then some of them might be over in Finland, who knows? And women's hockey will continue, hopefully, to um, grow and develop and get the funding and recognition that it so needs and deserves that so many people have worked tirelessly for and that hopefully today's stars get to enjoy a little bit of the fruits of their labor. Yeah, that's a great point, right? Like, you don't want some of these veteran players to 
to their credit, they're doing what they believe in, knowing that it, they might be done playing by the time the benefits really uh, kick in, the fruits of their mm -hmm. labor. But it would be nice to see it see it happen sooner. What is it that you, you know, if you could put into words, uh, what is it that you love about women's hockey? Uh, I think growing up playing it myself uh, and sort of fuels a bit of my love for it, but the the passion that these women have for the game, it's similar to what I see from a lot of, you know, amateur athletes competing at the Olympics for little to no money. Um, and you just see how much they love the game for the game itself, and they get almost nothing from it. And yet they put absolutely everything into it. That to me is admirable. And just the the pace of the women's game and the smarts that you see on the ice and the way plays develop. Um, I think that also makes it unique and different from the men's game. A lot of these women are just relying on power alone. Um, they're incredibly smart and crafty and fast and strong. And I think it's just a wonderful thing for not just kids to see, but adults to see. And I think we need to see more examples of it. It can't just be, you know, the Olympic gold medal final that people are tuning into in the middle of the night, you know, as the big game of the year. I think these games need to be more accessible. They need to be on television more. These women need to be celebrated. I'm with you. And I hope to, uh, you, you do your part. I mean, I, when you call up your stuff, Oh, there's a lot of women's hockey there, and that doesn't necessarily happen by accident. It also happens because you, I, you won't admit this, but I know that you push for it or you ask to or you make the suggestion that this would be a great thing to cover. So I thank you for that, even though I'm not in it anymore. Going back about a year ago, I hope to again, and um, a lot of people... Uh, know that I'm there for as a volunteer if I could help in, in any way that's how much it means to me and I but whether I am or not I just hope it really starts to sort itself out in a real fashion in the next next year or two me too uh lastly Toronto Maple Leafs uh, like is could is it are they on the road could this be their season <laughs> Is that a trick question? No. I I don't think I can answer that. I'm going to go with the historic history repeating itself and, and say probably not, just because I, I grew up a Leafs fan. I'm, I'm no longer a fan of any team, but um, my family members are, and I see what they go through season after season. I remember the big collapses in the playoffs and just watching my dad's heartbreak. And I have a hard time seeing it any other way, you know? But I hope, I do hope they prove me wrong. I think this city really deserves it. And the fan base here has been quite loyal. Um, so hopefully this is the season. <laughs> as th as things open up, uh, will you go back? Uh, you, I, if I recall correctly, uh, back when we used to talk more when I was in women's hockey, uh, when I was in hockey, that uh, you would go with your dad to games once in a while, right? Is that still yes, a thing? Is that I, still going to be a thing? I hope so, yeah. I mean, we're lucky. My, my grandpa had season's tickets to Maple Leaf Gardens, and they were carried over. 
and my dad has them now and he shares them with a bunch of people like six or six friends or so so then they're in the nosebleeds but that's where you find the best bands you find guys wearing helmets and yelling their heads off and spending a hundred bucks on beer uh so it's always it's always a fun time and i think too because of the work I sometimes do in hockey, it's nice to get that perspective and to be in the stands with people that really care about their team. And obviously it's, it's a special thing for me to be able to go with my dad or with my brother. So hopefully um, that continues. Oh, definitely. Uh, I was thinking when you ever see a, like a celebrity interview and they're an actor and they've had these crazy things happen or in this crazy business and they say, would you be okay if your children grow up to be actors? Is, would you be a, are you going to raise your child to be a Leafs fan? <laughs> oh, he will I be whatever so. he wants to be, or I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I don't think we're giving him a choice. I, I'm very much, you cheer for the team of the city that you live in. So sadly, that's going to be the case, I think, in our house. And we don't have an NFL team in Toronto, but I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. And my partner, Adam, is a Dallas Cowboys fan, so we're going to have to figure that one out. But otherwise, yeah, it's going to be the Leafs and the Blue Jays and the Toronto Argonauts and the Canadian Football League. We're just all in on the the teams in our city. That's how I was raised, so I I guess I should continue that tradition. It means no success, but... uh, I don't know. Just what think, else can you just, do? Just think how special it's going to be. The Rangers got their one. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. it, it, it'll, it just means that much more, right? And listen, they do have a really, really good team. So, Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors are legitimately sometimes good. So yeah. there's always the Raptors. Well, as I mentioned, you have this beautiful book that you put out uh, four or five years ago. And it's just, uh, I hope that like uh, i hope it becomes even more not even more i hope it becomes a relic soon <laughs> even more irrelevant <laughs> not a relic <laughs> yeah stuff Jada. here like with uh nora uh, uh sorry uh, uh, the goalie um and you know she's talking about the nwhl and how it wasn't for her because they weren't paying enough and and oh, and, yeah. and it's like and, you know what's what's amazing is that it's just it, it's five years old and it does read like a history book in, in a lot of ways. So that's what I mean, right? Like, so that five yeah. years from now, it'll, it'll be like, wow, that, think about how far we've come, even, even, even since. And it's a beautiful piece, by the way. Level the Playing Field on Amazon. Christina with a K Rutherford. Awesome book. And really, thank you for all the work you do in hockey and all sports, but especially women's hockey, because you go above and beyond. I think they're going to keep you busy in the next year or two and I, I hope so and I look forward to reading it and thank you so much my friend for doing this thank you so much for having me Bada and I know you're not in the women's hockey world anymore but when you were you were and I'm not just saying this the best PR person in the business thank you uh, it, best of the two or three <laughs> <laughs> well, you and are that right. is and that is exactly part of the problem right like we want more of we want more of people more people in, in it so um yeah. I, i'm really just wishing the best for everybody it's not even sides anymore it's just literally everybody who plays women's hockey and wants to uh, to root and support you have to invest 
you need coverage. You can't just demand coverage. It does have to be earned. I get all that. But I believe if everybody can work together, something great could happen. And it deserves to. And it could be a success. Uh, it would, will be a success. So I'm hoping for that. And uh, I can't wait to read your coverage of it. Thank you. I agree with you. The product is definitely there. Thank you, Christina. Thanks for doing this. Have a great one. Thank you for having me. All right, a huge thanks to Christina Rutherford for dropping by and sharing some great stories with Chris. And that'll do it for this episode of Hockey Press Pass. We thank you, as always, for listening. For everybody here on the team, Danny, Ksenia, and, of course, Chris, I'm Pat Boyle. Thank you again for listening. We've got a brand-new Islanders four-check coming at you this week as the trade deadline nears. The Islanders are running out of time before they are going to be forced to be sellers. Chris and I will talk about it this week and then another new episode of Hockey Press Pass coming at you next week. 